From the high desert in Far East West Texas, this is the world's fastest growing sports media podcast with that sports TV ratings. Joining me today is Ryan Glassbeagle of the Big Lead. Uh, Ryan, I'm gonna I'm gonna be taping. Uh, um, I don't know the order that the podcast will come out in, but uh, I'm gonna be taping soon with uh, George Sedano. And uh, um, what's your what's Ooh, your? Oh, he's a great guest. That's a good guest. Yeah. For you. Well, I mean, so one one of the things I'll do on the on the on the podcast with him is I will recommend that uh, people listen to your podcast with him which i think was from last summer and uh you you kind of chart he talks a lot about sort of his path from from florida to la and that was all very interesting he's a he's a great guy uh what's your what's your best sedano story do you have one uh hmm. it, it might be just like the whole like what he, the, the story that he told about the old Miami radio station, which like a ton of people have come out of, like it was the Dan Levitard show with Stugatz, it was Sedano, and it was Bruce Shiambi, um as part of the daily lineup. Andy King was a producer there. Andy is now uh, director at Sirius, and he has a lot to do with like Mad Dog Radio, the NBA channel, Barstool Radio, right. etc. And so, like, if you look at just how much influence that one terrestrial radio station had in a lot of the audio content that's out there today, it's unbelievable. And the, the stories from there, because it was run by this, like, late 20s or early 30s, like, wild air and just it seems like those are days that are never going to return yeah yeah that that that, uh that podcast was very good um so the the thing that got me interested is i saw someone the other day and i i know uh i think he was on around the horn last thursday or friday i saw someone refer to refer to him as a as an up-and-comer at espn and and on the one hand like i i understood the sentiment of why someone would say that but on the other hand i thought you know the guy the guy has a drive time radio show in like one of the three biggest markets in the United States. He's already here. And uh, so I reached out to him and I was like, how do you feel about all this? He says, it's really real. Like, and I do have feelings about it and I'm happy to talk about it. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to hearing like how, how he reacts to how different people perceive him, you know, in terms of levels of fame, I guess, radio versus TV. I'll be interested to hear that too. Yeah, he, he seems into it, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Okay, so, uh, Ryan. I, I would know, post that one before this one. That one's uh, going to draw better. Absolutely. I will. I will <laughs> come on. Come on. I know, I know what I'm doing here. I, I, need, to, I, need, to, uh, I need to have, uh, have someone lead into you uh, to, to bump, my, <laughs> to bump my, uh, my, my numbers back up into a world's fastest growing uh, quality. Hey, hey, here's, here's something um, that's not about Sinclair, which we'll talk about in a second. What are your just general thoughts? First thing that comes to your head, and if you've already polished this up like an apple, that's fine too. Uh, about uh, uh, the zone hiring hiring uh, my boy, where I got my podcast name from, uh, Jamie Horowitz. What do you think about all that? I think it's a good decision by them. Um, the the so what I was told was that he put together the deal with um, LeBron and Maverick Carter to to apply the uninterrupted brand to the Canelo Jacobs fight. Right. And once that happened, that the source who I spoke to said that served as quote unquote rocket fuel <laughs> to getting the deal done. And look, um, Skipper and Jamie made some like good shows together in the past. Like 
his and hers, like that, like that. The reason that like Mike and Jamel were big stars to um, be given the opportunity for 6 p.m. Sports Center that, as we've discussed before, did not wind up panning out. That came out of like numbers never lie and that came out of like the genie horowitz tree um sports nation had a really long run um first take has now like iterated into a point at espn where i think it's honestly one of their crown jewels i don't think any of us could have predicted that but it has and he also worked on the overman show um i don't think a lot of people realize that but that Uh show was pretty critically acclaimed at the time that it was um he was doing like just hurling those fastball commentaries day after day and so they've worked together well before and i think that it's i i root for interesting things to happen and i think that they're going to make interesting things together and so it'll be uh it's like more enjoyable to cover risks and chance takes and ambitious like swings of the bat than it is um i don't know like a boilerplate news and highlights show like i, I don't want to make fun of like cbs sports hq because right. i've written i think it's probably a good business idea but if you're like thinking about what would i rather cover is it something like original content initiative put together by skipper and horowitz or that i think it's pretty clearly the former Gotcha. So uh, just just throw it out there as a as a a wild ass thing to guess on. Does does Oberman wind up at the zone? Uh, I think he's settled in at ESPN for the time being. Right now, I mean they they're putting him on six p.m. Sports Center a yep. few days a week. Yep. Uh, he he's adding other commentaries in. I assume they're going to wind him in and out of baseball coverage again as the season marches on and they have innings to eat. And so look, he's gone to and left ESPN several times. So I don't think you could ever bet against that happening again, but I I don't know what talents they're going to go after, but I do think that they are going to like try and puncture ESPN because it like, if you, it's really unbelievable that like Adnan Burke came available to them. That was like another thing that Jamie worked on was putting him on that, um, their baseball show. Like if you could like, let's put yourself in their shoes and it's, um, early February, the baseball season starts in April. Manna from heaven. Like, I don't, I, I honestly don't think that there's anyone on the planet, if they could have picked any talent who was under contract or not under contract anywhere at any network, I don't know that there's a host that they would have rather had for that show than Adnan Fritz. Yeah, so and if, that was uh, like another. I was just going to say, and if, 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 you know, Jamie worked on the Oberman show on ESPN too, uh, which Adnan hosted a bunch of times while uh, Keith had shingles. Uh, so they have a lot of familiarity with each other already from that experience. I think that, like, the partnership, look, who knows whether what DAZN is doing is going to work. I don't think anybody can sit here and say for certainty that it will or won't. Like, I think if you gave John Skipper a truth serum, <laughs> he would have to say, no, I don't know. We're going to have to swing and see if we can capture this market or if we can't. But 
it's going to be interesting. Yeah, it is. It's definitely going to be interesting. And they, I mean, they're, they're, they still have money to spend on content. So it's going to be interesting to see sort of, um, you know, what's of the, I guess of, of the, you know, the non-major sports rights available of the non-major stuff. What, what will they scoop up at, uh, at the zone? Um, the, well, there's like the, the, the sports rights are all coming up now. It, NBA are the furthest away. And like, if, I'm sure if they were able to with whatever the rights are, they would have probably wanted an NBA Red Zone channel over an MLB one because NBA is much more of a national sport. And I've thought many times that, wow, I really wish I could, like there's seven games on on this um, Wednesday night. I wish I could watch like, a red zone of them, but they, they must not have been able to do that with ironically the way that Skipper wrote the rights deal with the NBA. Oh, because so you're saying that, uh, that, that, that they couldn't do it if they wanted to, because ESPN wouldn't have let them under their deal. Well, I'm assuming that if they were able to, they would have gone after that first. So I don't know, like it's not something I have inside information on, but you would just have to presume given that like, Skipper's affinity for the NBA, making that big deal that he got panned for that I think is going to wind up having like really anchored ESPN over this, like, like surviving the cord cutting and whatever. Um, I think if he were able to make a deal with the NBA, you'd have to think he would have, but I don't know. Right. No, no, no. That, uh, that, I mean, that makes sense. I mean, I think there's, the, I think generally now how much of this is just because there's only half the inventory, uh, I can't say, but I mean, there's definitely data that suggests that nationally the NBA is the better property than MLB. Yeah. I mean, MLB is a better business than the NBA. I don't think that people totally reflexively realize that because you add up all of the individual markets and their television like dwarfs the NBA per game in the markets where there's both an MLB and an NBA team. But in terms of like wanting to watch national coverage of something, the NBA has done a better job of building like marketable stars, Agreed. regardless of the regions that they play in. Agreed. Yeah. I mean, I think the average American can probably name a few people in the NBA off the top of their head. I'm not sure if the average American can do that with baseball. Yeah. It, I mean, Jeter and A-Rod, but they've been gone That's, for years now. I I don't know, like, I so my we I go to a lot of like Brewers games with my wife, so she can name like Christian Yelich, but I don't know if she can <laughs> name like Chris Bryant or Mike Trout. I, like I don't I don't want to like sound like this is like a crutch, like oh does my wife know who this is? But I actually think that she would probably be able to name more NBA players than MLB. Yeah, I'm 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 not surprised at that. So um so when you're at. Uh... At the Brewers games, I mean, you've been going to these games a few a year for years, right? The I I think so. I when I moved to Chicago, which was in two thousand nine, I went to mostly Cubs games, and I, I branched out to going to probably as many Brewers home games as Cubs home games, and then adding in like White Sox two or maybe one two or three a year, and then some other ones. I like. Um, Pat, I think it was Pat who mentioned this on 
our podcast before that they had researched that suggests that kids watch baseball, they give it up um, in, for like age 18 to 30 and then return to it when they, um, they start to form families. And I honestly think that I was like a huge bullet point in that um, data where I've like just gotten with now also the brewers have gotten much better. And so that is part of it too. But um, I do think that like my consumption habits have lined up with that data. Okay. So now the brewers aren't just good. They're actually great right now. Uh, and, and I'm just wondering like, so when you, when you go to the games at Miller park and you're watching, you know, one of the best teams, arguably the best team in baseball right now, what are the crowds like? Well, not so far this season. Their pitching has really struggled, and they're not leading their division at the moment. I mean, they're only like they're 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 very them. The Cubs and the Cardinals are all within like a game or two of each other. But um, we're taping this on a Tuesday. Who knows? The whole world might be different on Thursday or Friday when this posts. Uh, okay, but, yeah. Don't don't uh, don't bet with me. But uh, I believe in the Brewers. I do. I bet with somebody else last night. I bet. <laughs> The Brewer, I longed the Brewers and shorted the Cubs. Um, and so I um, minorly financially invested in that. Uh, so, so can you say publicly, like, uh, how, uh, how, what was the size of the wager? $50. Okay. okay this that's... Is, that's a big sports bet for me, actually. Most of my sports bets are $20 or less, but when they are season long is when I will go a little bit higher. Hey, so, so, so this is a good topic. Um, what is, so when you, when you think about, you know, the, the variety of $20 bets, say, what, what's your annual budget to throw at that? Well, I keep in a spreadsheet how much I'm up and down. And as of last night, I got back to even, on the year, I'm going to pull it up right now because I have it open on my computer. So, um, so, so really your goal okay, is, so, your goal is, to, your goal is to have fun and hopefully be close to zero. So last year I was up $516 betting sports. Uh, okay. But can, up, can you, can you estimate like the, what was the total dollar amount wagered? To net the five sixteen. Oh, a lot because I mean it's. Um, okay, so but when I, I ask about I your but when I ask about the budget, the thing that I'm like the thing that I'm thinking about is okay, what is the most amount? Like so, so I think about this for me. Like in a world where, let's say that prop bets are just now available, they're on my phone. I can I can see something on Twitter and the you know the speed from which I can say, oh, I want to bet on that, and I can bet ten dollars and and do that. So I I. I think about that stuff as potentially being a lot of fun. And like, I, I would set some budget for myself of $1,500. Now, if I immediately won $1,500, then I would look at that as house money. But I, I do like have some budget for it. How do you think about that? Um, I, if I get cold, I stop betting or I pull back for a little while. And if I get hot, maybe I press a little, but I don't think that there are, any set parameters. I feel like, you know, what's weird is at the beginning of last year, I said, I'll not lose more than $150 per month um, gambling. And then all of a sudden I started keeping track and I was winning. So I haven't had to address okay, um, so I'm, I'm gonna, where I feel the need to stop yet. I'm going to ask this another way. 
typically, on average week or average year, number of wagers made in a year or in a week? I would say, well, it, it went way up last year because I got introduced to these online forums where I bet people peer to peer and then we pay each other through direct payment channels. So, so, so like I Venmo or, or is there that an, without the big? So, so, so like you just do that through Venmo and the, the app is just pairing the people up together. Um, it's so it's a social network and I'm in several forums in it where like maybe there's like a hundred or 200 people in it and we bet each other on the honor system that we're going to pay. And in 17 months of being in those groups, I haven't had a time where I haven't paid. Although, as I said, <laughs> so I actually, I have like a betting partner. I don't think he'll mind that I say his name, Vic Choksi. He was a colleague of mine I've at seen the him big on Twitter. before yeah. the restructuring. And he, um, he and I like combined to bet like $35 a game right now as our unit. And so that's seventeen fifty each. And I'd say last year I probably made five or 600 bets. Okay. So you, you got a budget that's less than $10,000 a year to throw a gambling, but yeah. it's, but well, it's, I mean, that's like, but, it, I, but it's potentially $5,000 a year. Well, you're not, I'm not going to lose all of them. There's no way. No, no, no. Like, no, you're I, not going to go I, 0 and 500. No, no, so. no. I, I, I understand. Well, you could go on 500 though. It's possible. I mean, it's, it's not likely, but I really don't think it is. It's, it's not possible. It's more likely to win like Powerball twice than have like 500 to like, like to the exponents. Like there's no way I could lose 500 in a row. Although there have been times where I felt like that. <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting to me. So you believe in the hot hand, right? So you say you stop when you're cold and you and you you know sometimes press press on when you're when you're hot, and uh, and and it's interesting uh, because that's maybe not the right way to go based on the uh, based on the analytical data. Well, right now, a knock on wood, like by talking about this out loud, I've been very hot for about a month. So we'll see if it continues or not. But am, am I fair to assume that if you did exactly what you were doing? And whether you were up a thousand dollars or down a thousand dollars at the end of the year, it would be fun for you and it would be worth it, right? So if you lost a thousand dollars, especially like it, it makes me with, with with it really helped me with NBA and college basketball this season in terms of watching the games and I think learning the sports better because I didn't really that this is not something that I was doing before last year. Like before that, I was hardly if at all, betting on sports just because there wasn't really a platform for me to do it. And so it's not like I'm just going to go to Vegas. So you'd have to like find a direct friend who would be able to do it. And so I would say that it definitely helped my knowledge of like how various basketball teams were playing in the last year. Right, right. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna move on, and we're gonna talk about the Sinclair RSNs. But before doing that, like I just want to say my sort of general disposition on all this stuff. So um, these things take a while to happen. It took a while for the the Sinclair deal to get announced. Uh, I'm not surprised that Sinclair is uh, is is the winner, um, and I think it's going to take 
a long, long time to see how this unfolds. And so I am not predisposed, you know, to, to worrying about like what's next at Sinclair at all. I'm perfectly happy to just watch that unfold and, and, uh, and see how it goes. But, uh, but I'm working, uh, you know, in, uh, inside of a sports media ecosystem that will not wait to see how things unfold. So, and I know you will not wait to see how things unfold. So, uh, what do you think of the, of Sinclair acquiring the, uh, the Fox RSNs and yes, network that, that the, uh, the government said ESPN, you can't have those in your Fox deal. You got to get rid of them. What do you think of uh, Sinclair at the acquiring risk, those? At the risk of finding myself in his crosshairs one day, I think in the neck, if you look at like what's, he said over the last two years and then what's ended up happening, you want to be on the opposite side <laughs> of Rich Greenfield, Brett. So um, I, you got to feel pretty good that he thinks that they're um, pulling themselves into the hashtag good luck bundle title wave that he thinks is coming. But I mean, John Orand and Ben Strauss both covered it pretty well where Sinclair is of the belief that they're going to be able to leverage their broadcast network portfolios and these RSNs together. And so what that means is they tell, I don't even know who the cable provider in Wisconsin is, but let's call it Charter or Comcast. And so they go to Charter and they say, hey, that's a lovely Packers playoff game. We're broadcasting on Fox next Sunday. It would be a real shame if something happened to it and you couldn't like air that. And so that they're going to like use those things together to try to say, if, if you don't carry Fox sports, Wisconsin or whatever diamond sports, Wisconsin or whatever they call it, then, um, then you're going to find yourself on the receiving end of thousands and thousands of phone calls. Like you do, I do feel sympathetic for the cable companies in this equation because like they're trying to make money for themselves like everybody else is, but the second costs rise, they lose customers to these skinny bundles. And so they're trying to keep those costs as low as they can and, then they, now they're going to have like Sinclair hitting them over the head, pairing the broadcast networks and the high price oh. RSNs as a bundle that so, 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 is so, not going to benefit them. Yeah. So can I just interject that um, on the skinny bundle front, I think Sinclair is still mostly very well positioned because almost all of the skinny bundles now, not all of them, but almost all uh, come with all or most of the local channels. Like So, so where I am, uh, CBS, the CBS affiliate in El Paso is a Sinclair station. And, uh, I am currently trying a skinny bundle. Uh, I'm using PS view and, uh, both, uh, the, the Sinclair CBS station and both of the, the, the you know, the Fox sports RSNs for, uh, Fox sports Southwest are in the skinny bundle. So I think even in the skinny bundles, they might be better positioned than you think. Well, I was saying it from the cable company's perspective where they're getting like this um, the, the, this cost increase hammered into them and then yeah. they lose their customers. And here's the thing. It's like if you're some if you're like a Packers fan in Manitowoc and Packers Cowboys is blacked out on Fox over a carriage dispute, they don't have any way to call Sinclair and complain about it. They're going to be calling the charters and Comcasts of the world. And so 
I do think that Sinclair like is going to like have a lot of leverage here, but I like I just I disagree with Greenfield's analysis that these regional sports networks are in trouble just because I mean you you've seen like we've both seen Michael Mulvihill's stats on how many people watch these things. Like it was like he, I think he said like the Cincinnati Reds games and they, like this is not like a very good like crown jewel team. They are like if you take the the minutes viewed of Reds games in Ohio, it adds up to more than the top ten entertainment yep. shows combined yep. in yep. the market. And so, like these, we're all of these companies, in my opinion, are in the business of accumulating time spent consuming them. Yep. And like whether that's Facebook, whether that's Netflix, whether that's Google, whether that is Sinclair. It's everybody is in competition for time. There's a finite amount of time and these Fox sports regional networks accumulate an astronomical amount of it over NBA and MLB season. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to shift this to, to something that's maybe a little bit more fun. Uh, how do you think they're going to rebrand these RSNs. I have a very specific idea of how I think they will rebrand them. How do you think they'll rebrand them? I mean, I don't think they're going like re- they might rebrand them with like that diamond name that Oren wrote about in his media newsletter, but I don't see them doing very much with them. I think one thing that they will do is they're going to start putting stadium content. They're, on they're going to, so they're going they, to, they're going to make the stadium, the brand for the RSNs, Ryan, that's, what's going to happen. It might take a few years to play out, but that that's absolutely what's going to happen. Right. So like that, that show that Michael Kim hosts with like Jeff Goodman and Sean Trainy and Brett McMurphy, I think you could reasonably expect to see that show on the RSNs and like sauce and tram and like the Derek Rose documentary and stuff like that. So this is stuff that they're already making. And so the, the cost to carrying them isn't going to be anything like they, they already invested in this studio and these personalities and the producers and building so, the brand of those shows. And so there is, I, there I is actual synergy. It's, it's stuff a lot in them. Yeah. There's real synergy. It's, it's not bullshit. Now I know a lot of people and I understand it like here, I believe here in El Paso, like people left working for CBS news because of that stuff that they made them do in the, uh, in the, you know, the viral videos that went around uh, and, and, you know, people quit over it. Uh, so I know people hold, very strong positions on Sinclair and I, I totally get it. But then I like, just look at this as a, as a business thing. And I think that the, uh, that the leverage that, that you talk about is real. They really do have the leverage and it really was a good business. And not only that, um, they got, you know, they got the RSNs on the cheap. I mean, so, so, uh, you know, I, I think, I think it's reasonable to assume that you know, a year ago or whenever Disney found out that they were going to have to unload those things, it was reasonable to assume that they hoped they'd get at least 20 billion for them. And they got only around half of that. And so it was a, you know, the timing and everything. Well, I, I think, think they were going to buy them for about 15. And then Comcast came in with that, um, with like their bid. That yeah, Disney they they upped it to like up. 28 billion or something. Yeah. So no, I think they, they, I don't even know the exact numbers, but I do agree with you to your point that 
Sinclair got them at a bargain because the government in saying that um, ESPN couldn't run them because they would have too high of a um, market share in sports. And then they also like Comcast and AT&T were effectively blocked from them too. And those are two companies that would have been able to leverage them in their distribution channels. They, they, by, by, by pushing those three companies out of it and by virtue of Fox having decided to get out of that business, there weren't like a ton of people who could make these things work like, and could really like stand up to the Comcast and charters of, and like direct TVs and dish networks of the world and really get them to make sure that they carry these things, not just period, but on their basic tiers. So, so going, circling this back to Sinclair, there, I don't know if everybody like in the public realizes that, like you said, people can, um, I, I totally get anybody who is like, has very, like, very antagonistic towards their politics. Like I completely understand that. And I hope that they don't bleed their political coverage into sports. They say they won't, we're going to have to wait and see. Um, but they're a massive player in sports now because yep. we mentioned Stadium, which is their um, upstart over-the-top streaming um, platform. They've got these Fox Sports RSNs, which for the last 15, 20-plus years of Fox Sports were the ATM machine that funded the whole operation. They've got um, the Tennis Channel, which, by the way, if you want to see – um, evidence that they're going to be able to leverage the broadcast channels with the RSNs, with the distributors. Look at how many homes the tennis channel is in today. Yep. And then they've also got Ring of Honor wrestling. And they've got, like, it, I, I, like I said, I don't know. I can't tell, sit here and tell you exactly which regional affiliates they have, but they've got a lot of minutes of NFL, NBA, and MLB, and even maybe NHL games on NBC. And so if you look at the amount of like minutes of time that people are going to be watching um, sports on Sinclair platforms, it is going to be substantial. Yeah, I mean, so uh, unquestionably, uh, whatever you think about them, they are a player in sports media now. There's just no doubt about it. I mean, I'd argue they, they were even before Stadium, uh, just with the broadcast nets, but uh, but much bigger now. The um, what, What's going to be interesting to me is, like, I've been on, like, generally the idea for about a year that the broadcast networks are undervalued. Like, a year ago at this time, Sinclair was trading at under six times earnings, so I now shifted that hypothesis to companies like Tegna and Tribune and CBS because now I think that like those are the companies compared to like the growth that Sinclair has had that I'm looking at as thinking that they are trading below what they're worth. So I, I have not looked into that enough. I mean, so my my sense is that there's some window. I don't know how small it is. You know, I don't know if it's a two-year window or a five-year window, but there's some some window where that's absolutely correct. 
Well, it's my window right now, and I, maybe I'll adjust it when it's over, but my window right now for these broadcast networks is until the end of 2020. We're probably seeing it a little bit right now, but it's really going to ramp up this summer. The advertising for the Democratic primaries, that is going to turn into, in 2020, all sorts of presidential and congressional um, election ads yeah. that, like, the, the, these broadcast networks are the most reliable way to reach viewers in mass. I know like people talk about how there's great rate of return on investment in advertising on Facebook and Google, but the, their metrics are just not standardized in the way that um, television is with Nielsen as like a third party independent measurement tool. And so like, I just think that from now until the end of 2020 and of the elections, there's going to be a ton of money that pours into broadcast TV, especially since, like, with the cord cutting that we've talked about, it used to be that the broadcast networks were in, like, 15 million more homes than cable networks. Now they're in, like, 30 million more homes. And so there's that. So. What I see is on the horizon is there's going to be a lot of political ads on the broadcast nets until the end of 2020. But then the bill with the NFL is going to come to. And then after that, like SEC on CBS, et cetera, et cetera. And so I don't know how their business models will be in the immediate aftermath of what I'm assuming are going to be double digit percentage increase in rights fees. But I think for the next year and a half, these are going to be very, very good businesses. I, I agree. So um, just, just want your perspective here from the point of view as blogger on the big lead. How much do you miss LeBron in the playoffs? I don't at all because um, um again I only I only want uh, your blogger perspective here not your personal point of view for No no I it hasn't um I I don't th- look in the first round I think it affected us a lot of these series were lopsided and there wasn't star power in a lot of them but we've seen a lot of interest in the NBA in the second round especially as the warriors are struggling and so Look, maybe the whole the whole world's going to be different when this posts. Maybe they go out on Wednesday and win by forty five, and everything is great with them again. But right now, like their struggles and the Celtics' struggles and whatever weird stuff is going on with Kyrie Irving, those things are driving as much attention to our site as LeBron in the second round would have. Oh, that's I, good. I, that's I good. actually do think that like our traffic. Um, with these sports does correlate with the rise and fall of television ratings. So I think that in the first round, we were probably down in terms of interest in the NBA compared to last season, but we were up with the NFL draft. We were up this past NFL season. And I think that we've had more interest in the second round than we've seen before. And I I feel like it works out that that uh, and I, I use this disparagingly but lovingly that you people in scare quotes you need Rockets Warriors to go seven games or, or it's not going to be good for you. Oh yeah, definitely. We um, it, like we 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 need Warriors Blazers or Warriors Nuggets to go seven games. We need like Bucks Warriors to go seven games. We get a, the, 
so there, there's like a pretty given reliable amount of traffic at the big weed that still comes through the homepage. Um, they like people have it in their favorite places or they type in the big and they scroll down and they click a few things like and spend several minutes there. But in terms of our incremental spikes, those at this point will usually come from search. And those at this point will have to come from big flashpoint moments that happen in live games. And so in, if you look at like our margins, yeah, it's way better for us when these series go seven games. You're absolutely right. So it is May 7th, Tuesday, May 7th at uh, 1140-ish Eastern time. Who's going to be in the NBA Finals? Um, it will be the Bucks and the Warriors, and the Bucks will win in seven. Wow, that's I, I like. I hope I I don't know about the actual outcome, but I'd love to see that series go seven games. Yeah, that would be awesome. Ryan, a pleasure as always. Thank you. Appreciate it. Tell George I said hi, and uh, look forward to talking with you again soon.